0: And now your host, multimillionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO, and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley.
1: Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, is Tell Dell Tuesday, where we bring people in to share their stories, and the story we have today is one that is mm, semi-common. Not, complete, not, a, not a large number of people, but there are a few people I hear this story come from, and that is that they found Lifestyles Unlimited, and it wasn't the right time for them, and they had to walk away or did walk away, and then later on came back. Uh, and I think that's interesting because, you know, there's always that story about, well, you know, when the, uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And in uh, this gentleman's life, the teacher appeared, sat right next to him on a bus, spent a whole day with him, and, and then he walked away from the teacher. Having said that, ended up with great results when he came back and followed through. So we're lucky to have with us today Robert Thompson out of San Antonio. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. world wants to know. What happened? You found it. You walked away from it. You came back. Tell the story.
2: Uh, yeah, I found it. It actually was brought to Lifestyles by a friend of mine that uh, had found it, and he said, hey, we need to go. Let's go do this. We went and uh, joined, did the two-day, and I was like, this is great, but I've got two kids in, in college. I've got, At that point in time, we were paying for them as we went versus – using college savings accounts, and, you know, it was coming in as fast as it was going out, and that was it. Um, Let it lapse, came back uh, about a year year later, and at that point in time, kids were out of school, there was a little bit more money available, and got started. Uh, That was 2019, and um, it's just been going great ever since.
1: I have a secondary question along those same lines, a little bit yeah. different, but um, I've always been intrigued how you can be in the business of real estate in some form or fashion of the business of real estate and not really see the investments of real estate. Uh, you as an appraiser, uh, with one of those types of jobs that you know you work in periphery, you're, well, you're right in the middle of it, actually and yet you don't see the bigger picture while you're in there tell us about that start back when you you know first came here before you came here with your friend tell us what it's like to be an a, an appraiser and then when did the awareness hit you that hey maybe there's more to this than just appraising properties well my appraisal background is
2: commercial not residential and so it's a big apartment complex office building regional mall that type of thing and yeah, I, I realized, hey, I'm never going to have a half-million dollars for me to go in and do a deal. So, that's part of it. But the other thing is, as an appraiser, it's very important we tell you what the value is today, not what it is tomorrow, not what it is next week. So, we are looking, if you will, at a snapshot of that property. And investment is the movie. Uh, you're buying it today, things happen over time, and uh, that was what was missing for me. And it was kind of a force for the trees also. You're working so hard helping your clients make money and show telling them what they need to do and change. And you never step back and go, wait a minute, what about me? Or at least I didn't. Uh, when I was in the two-day, and David Fisher taught the two-day that I, I went to, the first one I went to. And it, it was, okay, well, you do all this, and then here's the movie. And I'm going, wait a minute. You know, this is bite size on the single-family side. You'd come in anywhere from, well, at that time, I think it was five to $25,000 to do a deal back in 2016. And you can see where it's going from that movie. And I just never had anyone turn the projector on so I could watch it until I sat in that two-day class.
1: Uh, what kind of um, feelings did you get out of that, seeing that you were right there in the middle of something that could make you you know, very wealthy if you tried to use it.
2: I was horrified that I had not done anything about it for my entire career and had never seen that. Um, You know, I literally sat there and felt stupid, felt ignorant, because it was all right there in front of me. I just never put all the puzzle pieces together. And uh, that was a a very humbling experience to realize that it was there. I knew what I was, I knew how to do it. I just had never put the
1: pieces together and done it. Um, so the movie aspect was really the aha moment you got out of the two day? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Just
2: that you know you do it now and, and just let it run and it takes care of itself. Uh, that was the that definitely was the aha moment for me.
1: Now, as an appraiser, I assume that you understood the concept. You could change the value of a piece of real estate by doing something to it, right?
2: Oh, yeah. There was always that. But, again, I have to go back, and I'm looking at uh, large commercial properties. Probably 10 years before I sat through that first two-day, uh, I was I ran into a client out in New Mexico. We were both on vacation out there, and he had uh, been an apartment developer his entire life. And we got to talking, and, and he said, you know, I've been building apartments my whole life, made a very good living at it, but it wasn't until I realized I didn't need to build them. I just needed to buy them and fix them that I really started making a lot of money. There, there was so much less risk for him to, in his mind to do that, and the the, the returns were so much greater.
1: You could have been a syndicator yourself. Yeah, and,
2: and it's, that's that's actually where I'm I'm actually going through all of the stuff that Lifestyles requires to get to that point right now because I think there's some some major opportunities that are going to be coming up in the next twelve to twenty four months. And uh, based on my background, I think I can I can do a pretty good job of figuring out the right ones and and be a good lead investor. I just, you know, I've got a ways to go before I get there.
1: I'm going to come back to that because I'm to tell all the audience right now, hey, I know what you want to ask. I'm curious to ask it also. We'll come back to it. So hang on. Until the last segment, we'll go back to that, which is what, Dell uh, Robert, what we're going to want to know is your opinion of what you just said. Why do you see that there's something going to start happening here in the near future? But let's hold. Let's go back to what you did do when you first started up back in 2018. And let's talk about where you decided to go. You came out of the blocks doing single family deals. Let's pick that up and talk about why you did that and what kind of deals were you doing? How'd they work out for you?
2: Uh, I started out in single family. Actually, it was funny, at that time, Al Gordon was a mentor in the San Antonio office, and I went down, and I sat down with him, and I said, hey, I've got this much money. Which way do I need to go? And his response was, well, you're just barely under that break point that we say which way to go. You could go either way. I wanted to uh, be a little more in control of it, and so I went the single family route and it's been just phenomenal for me. I was looking at the you know I bought my first bought my first property April 8th of 2019 and went into the hospital for a week April 9th uh, which made me really realize that I should have gotten on the the, the train much earlier, because you sit there and go, wait a minute. As an appraiser, and I'm self-employed, you know, it, it very much is I eat what I kill. And if I don't work, I didn't have a livelihood. Um, so bought that first house. Actually, I'm getting ready to list it finally to sell it on the backside. But it's it's been a good investment for me. If I look at every property I bought, uh, you know, I, I've averaged. A little over a hundred percent upside on every deal, not counting cash flow during the holding period. So it's been very, very, um, very, very good for me, uh, and it allowed me to to have just incredible growth. Over the so past few years,
1: average about a hundred percent return on capital gains aspect of the gains, uh, not counting the cash flow aspect of the gains.
2: I made the the big mistake of hey, I've got money coming in. You get complacent, and you you get a little bit off the map and slow down and don't stay stay focused because uh, I, I think it's something you say a lot of you know good life gets in the way of a great life. Well, hey, I've got a good life now, but if I just put a little more effort into it for just a little longer, you go to, you, you kick up to a whole new level. And, uh, um, that's an awakening actually I've had recently that I I need to do this. And, and I've started, I mean, I bought three properties in the last two months. So it's, it's back on the train.
1: You know, um, the point you're bringing up, Robert, is one I'm actually wanting to do a seminar on. Um, it's a whole, I want to make an event about it because it really is true. You don't grow in a straight line because you have satiation points, you know, you satiated that need. So, hey, you, whatever it is, if, if you make, you know, $5,000 a month, take home in your pay, and all of a sudden you build up three to $5,000 with of passive income, you go, wow, <laughs> whether you want to keep your job or not, you just don't really care. You guys, you've done everything you've ever dreamed you would ever do type thing. And then one day, and this is what happens. And then one day, you wake up and go, why am why did I stay at five grand? Why didn't I go up to ten grand a month, right? And you know that all it is is a series of steps. I could you know, I did the five grand, I could easily go up to ten, I could take a series of steps and get there. And it kind of is an aha moment each time it happens. And I'll tell you it happens more than once, Robert. I've gone through that gosh, in the thirty-five years I've been doing this, I bet every five years. You know, you say, Well, why don't I? And it's what I've done. By the way, and I'm curious to hear your your opinion of this. What I've done is I've just given into it and said, you know what, Dell, you're never going to be totally satiated. Why don't you just always be on the lookout for a good deal and add one or two or three to your portfolio every year, and uh, just keep doing it. And what do you think of that that approach as opposed to just waiting till you get excited again?
2: you know, I I think it's a great way to do it. I have decided that I need to do one a quarter uh for the next year or so and uh, then transition over and, and start doing the multifamily. But um, there's there's so many opportunities out there. The biggest problem is deciding which one you want. Um, because as soon as I do one, about a week later, there's a better deal. And you've only, or at least I've only got so much money that I can do. it It's like, well, this is a great deal and you don't want to wait for the next one. So you've got to jump on it. But, yeah, satiation is too easy. Um, You've got to stay hungry. And for me, the easiest way to do that is just, at least the way I do it, I just pretend that money's not coming in. And that makes me go look for the next one. Uh, I I, I just have to
1: ignore it and, and keep going. Well, you know, that's kind of true. I do the same thing. I segment my money. You know, there's, I take one stream of income that I consider what my life is all about. I take everything else and I just throw it in that pot of, okay, it's over there, you know. And it's over there. When I need it to buy something else, it's there, you know. And obviously, if I ever wanted anything extreme, I could go over to there. But I just never really want anything extreme. Once you get to the point of satiation, uh, it happens. But I want to quote a very famous guy. Um, this is, uh, uh, Mr. Robert Thompson. I've quoting right out of his book here. It says the biggest problem I had, the biggest problem has been that there are too many deals to do, but I'm currently ramping up in this area and starting to sell everything that I have so I can do it all over again. A couple more times. Yes. Robert, uh, um, What people don't understand is they're going, oh my gosh, for some reason they think this is a terrible real estate period when there's deals everywhere. So when we come back from break, we want to go ahead and cover what it's really like out there and how easy it is to find deals. We'll take a short break, be right back with Robert Thompson and the Dell Wamsley Radio Show.
0: with a roadmap to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wansley Radio Show returns in moments. I created these case studies 30 years ago for this reason.
1: You're the accountant, you're the CPA, you're the, the engineer, the IT guy. Do you follow what I'm saying? You're that little quiet cubicle guy. And you don't see yourself as a rich millionaire. So I have to bring the cubicle people up here And you go, honey, look, he's got the same shoes I have on, right? And he speaks in the same language that I speak in. And you've got to be able to see somebody you can relate to or relate with for this to work. Part of the reason I want you to speak to other people is because half of your, I'd say, challenge is that you don't believe you can be rich is that you don't believe you can retire within five years. Until you can reconcile that in your mind, you won't be willing to take the steps necessary to get there. Join us today. Check for in-person and online dates at lukstudy.com.
0: You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to the Dell
1: Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today on Tell Dell Tuesday is Robert Thompson out of San Antonio, Uh, is a commercial appraiser who started his real estate investment career in single family housing. Uh, which is interesting in and of itself. Uh, Robert, we're going to talk about how many deals are out there, because we made the point before we went to break that you're saying there's more deals than you can even do. I was sitting with uh, some of my top guys, and we do this on a regular basis because we have to be aware where the marketplace is, and we were studying the numbers, and we were in there talking about the Houston numbers, not the San Antonio, but I'm sure they're pretty close to each other, is that, when you look at the median, or when you look at the sales median sales prices across the board on single family houses, they single family house sales are down, and it might be sales total sales dollar volume sales or something. You're not really actually prices, but the sales are down 20 percent whatever it is, whether it's prices or whether it's the volume of sales. i not. I don't even actually remember which one it was, but. What was interesting was is that what Jeff Smith was pulling out was that, but wait a minute, that's not what we buy. We buy everything below the median price. And you were talking about that's why I'm dropping this in your your pocket here to work with. We buy everything below the median price. And if you look at what we deal with, the below the median price, which is under $250,000, uh, our stuff actually went up 3 or 4% from last year. Uh, how do you see that? You're an appraiser, you know those numbers uh, you're buying that stuff and really when I read your resume here, you're, you're pounding those houses out in that price range. Tell us what the difference is down in that price range below that 250 compared to what everybody else thinks is real estate you know like people think they can buy any house out there and it's going to be a real estate deal
2: Yeah well you've got a couple of things going on. First off, they technically they can't build a house anymore in the city at least san antonio houston dallas the, the texas markets which is what the ones i'm familiar with they can't build a house for less than two two hundred and fifty thousand dollars brand new and that house quite frankly the quality of construction is so far down there you don't want to own it uh you know it's it's the the bottom end of every possible component of the house that you could think, you know, it's the cheapest shingles, it's the cheapest water heater, it's the it, it's the cheapest thing every
1: day. That's the new stuff. That's competition, and many times You're it's also, a bad location, some garbage area that you know you would never think to make a subdivision out of it, and they drop it as a subdivision. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, it's that. It's it's out in the it's out in sticks. It's not a good school district, and you know people want a nice house. They want conveniences. They want their kids to be in a good school. They want to feel safe. You know, that's what people want, and quite frankly, that's the, the kind of houses I look at. It's that, and we call it workforce housing. It's it, it, quite frankly, is the middle to upper end of blue collar and the middle to lower end of white collar. And those are the people that get up every morning, have breakfast, get in their car, catch the bus, go to work, put in a, a good, honest day's work, and come home. You know, have dinner with the family. Maybe go watch a, a sports game for one of their kids. Go to bed. Do it all over again the next day. Those are the people that live in the houses that that I buy, that, that we buy. Um, if you look at that lower level, yeah, it's stayed. Worst case, when it hit, when I'm looking in San Antonio, some neighborhoods they dipped one, two, three percent. You go up, you go half a million and up, those have, they've taken some hits. Not that bad, but the biggest problem as far as lack of sales, at least in my mind, is not that, oh, it's gotten more expensive on our end of the scale, that, that lower price, but nobody's listing them. There's no listings for these realtors to buy. I, I talked to a realtor last night, known her for 20 years, and she's like, what's going on? There's, there's no product. Nobody wants to sell because they can't afford to go into that next one. And that's also helped keep those prices at the level, as well as we have several million under um, construct, uh, construction. In other words, we need to build several million more houses, and nobody wants to step out there and do it because we have more people wanting houses, needing places to live, and it's not economically viable to build them for a builder, and that's holding prices and going to keep them going up.
1: Now, the people in that zone, those are the people that pride themselves on their credit and paying their bills, do they not?
2: Yeah, usually do, very much so.
1: I mean, if you go way below that, and there's there are people that just really work in Class D properties, I think David Fisher does that, which yep. is not what we recommend, by the way. Uh, He just loves because he likes to build stuff and tear stuff apart and whatever. Uh, He'll do that. But that's not our clientele. Our clientele is that upper blue collar, lower white collar person, just like you said, that uh, prides themselves in paying his bills and, and not being a part of the problem in our society. So when you do find these and you said that you've got more deals than you can find, the fact that other people May not be able to find them. What does that tell you about what they're doing wrong?
2: I think it's not underst- I, I think it's several things. One, they're looking at the the much higher priced house, which the the spread between rent and value are too far apart to make the deal work. They're not
0: uh, really. i I'll be honest
2: with you. I don't think they're really actively looking. You know, they're hopping on MLS and going, "Oh, there's no deals here." And there's a few, but that's not where you find the deals. You find the deals from the agents that get out there and find them. At that you know, it's an opportunity property. Hey, uh, you know, it's. I specialize in what I call the granny rehabs, and that is. Grandma's lived there for the past 20 years by herself. Nobody's really done any maintenance on the property. I mean, sure, the son or son-in-law comes in and he fixes a leaky faucet or, you know, that kind of thing. But it's it's outdated. It needs some love. And you go in and you fix it. It's still a good neighborhood. It hadn't gone down the tubes. And we come in, you know, we clean them up, pretty them up. And put a new family in there because now you're gone from one person living there alone for an extended period of time, to now all of a sudden you're bringing life back into that house, back into that neighborhood. Here's a young family. Here's kids. You know, you, it, it, it's a positive impact on that whole neighborhood.
1: You're now considering pivoting to multifamily, and uh, you had mentioned that you saw something coming about that might be worthwhile. Go ahead and leak that one for us. What's going on? Why are you considering sh- pivoting out of single family into multifamily?
2: Uh, one, well, two reasons primarily. One, I've reached that critical mass that, you know, it, I can do a lot more with multifamily than I can with single family just because of the size of the transaction. Two, I'm looking at. Um, the trends in the multifamily industry. And you know, we've it's there's been some big pullbacks because of rates just I think the if I remember right a number I saw the other day in the past year and a half they've gone up something like 280 basis points, which is two point eight percent. Cap rates have, have also gone up, but not as much. We've we've had some compression between those two. But we are, if you look at the trends, uh, Freddie Mac puts out a number quarterly, and it's it's called AMI, A-I-M-I. And basically, first quarter of 2023 is equivalent to where we were first quarter of 2009. It's almost the exact same number. Um, and that was a huge trend that we went through. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities from uh, owners that... If you will, screwed up their deal. They went in, they got floating rate debt, they're getting squeezed. They're not going to be able to make the capital call, and they're going to give it back to the lender or liquidate. Um you know, we've got a train wreck in office and and retail coming with with all the what's happening in those markets, but people have to have a place to live. Apartments are going to keep doing well, and when I looked at that Amy number, and I literally looked at it this morning just because I wanted to make sure I wasn't I wasn't misquoting it, it is almost the exact same number. Um, So we're going to have probably a couple more interest rate bumps, and then you know as we get into twenty twenty four, it's going to tail down. They always tend to tail it, interest rates down in in a presidential election year. It's just the way they do it. That's going to give us some more stability in the apartment market, and I think we're going to uptrend again. Uh, and that's that's why I'm trying to time everything so that when that happens, I'm standing there ready to go.
1: Well, my experience, Robert, is is that the people that try to time it too tightly miss out on the opportunities. Uh, my experience in 2008, 2009, 2010, where I tripled or quadrupled my net worth, and I don't know exactly, I didn't track it that closely, but I know it was, you know, I went from being worth, you know, 10 million to 30 million, let's put it like that type of deal, um, that just broad round numbers. The 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 thing was I bought on the way down, and then I bought on the way back up. And I sold once we got halfway up. In other words, when everybody else said, oh, man, okay, it's safe to buy now. <laughs> That's when I started selling. So I, I'm, I'm just sort of giving you a heads up. Hey, man, if you're already seeing that it's going there, you should be probably buying now then. huh? What do you think?
2: No, I agree. It's it- I agree that yes, you know, you can do it in any market. I think that I'm, I'm maybe a little behind the curve. I'm missing a little bit of it, but um, I still think we're going to have a lot more pain by some of these people that are going to end up putting more property, more product on the market. Product is still very tight. Not a lot of people are listing. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do. Uh, so it is going to open up. I'm I'm looking just a little bit closer. The confluence of everything hitting. Simply because of of how I look at things and my my particular needs,
1: I understand. I'm just giving you a little grandfatherly love, and I'll tell I you what happened.
2: It. No, I really do. I was you, you, when you properties were
1: selling for fifty thousand a door, I started buying them when they fell to thirty five, and. People going, boy, you're crazy to buy, you know, $50,000 property for 35. And, you know, it's falling. It's going to go lower. Well, it did. It went down to 25, but then I bought more, another one at 25. Then it dropped to 21. Uh, I bought one at 19, then it dropped, and I bought one at, at 18, 17. And the last one I bought was 8,000 a door, and that was the lowest I ever saw. the lowest I bought, and I think probably one of the lowest that ever did sell in Houston. Um, and then it came back up, so I in the other direction. The point I wanted to make to you, Robert, is that if you and the audience, if you wait until the last moment and somebody like me who had bought three from this guy already, I bought one at 35, 25 and 21. When the one that comes up for 19 comes up, guess who he's going to bring it to? You're going to get the first call. He's going to call me because he knows I'll close it. Does that make sense? So you you got to get in there right now and be careful that you don't kick too many tires in multifamily. So I just throw that out there for you because I I care about you. And uh, since you're still, this is your your foray into it. But, man, you you nailed the numbers. And in your mind, this next two interest rate hikes is going to probably be the the one that breaks the back, and then the Fed's going to come out of it coming into the, the presidential election. That's your... That's your prediction then. That's my prediction, yeah. Uh, syndication? Quick, we got to break, we got to go now. Are you going to syndicate? Yes. All right, great Robert. Thanks for coming on the radio show. And thanks for being a great member. For the rest of you out there, remember this. It's not the money, it's a lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow.